What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Raptors Community Podcast. That's right. We are back in business, baby. The NBA season is upon us. Only a few days away from the Raptors debut. I believe it's Wednesday, October 20th against the Washington Wizards. That's their home opener. Scotiabank Arena. The Raptors are back in Toronto, baby. And I am super excited to talk about this team. The Season Expectations Podcast is what we're going to be doing today. And we're going to go through eight parts of which the majority are going to be the Raptors. So we're going to start with a regular season prediction predicting their record, which should already be up on my Instagram, um, with a lot of other detailed, broken-down information in it. Then we're going to talk about the playoff ceiling and floor for this team, some individual player awards for this specific team. When I talk about the Raptors MVP, the Raptors most improved, my predictions for all those types of guys. Um, The next is going to be odds corner, where we go through about five different odds that I think are kind of interesting to think about if you're a betting man. And then the NBA content goes to the NBA awards, conference finals predictions, finals predictions, and then NBA champion finals MVP predictions. So it goes into playoff predictions a little later in this podcast. But thank you for stopping in. Thank you for listening. Uh, Let's start this right off. Let's go. Starting with the regular season for the Toronto Raptors, I want to address two different areas of concern for Toronto, one being on the offensive side. It was the ability to score in the half court and create something out of nothing, especially late in the game, as we saw last season. There are a lot of moments where the Toronto Raptors lost in close games against not inferior teams, but against teams that they should have beat. There was one against Sacramento. There's one against Portland. And we saw a lot of moments where Pascal Siakam was the guy, and he was unable to deliver in those moments last season. And with him injured to start the season, there's an interesting dynamic amongst the team about who should take the last shot. And I know you're probably thinking to yourself, it's got to be Fred Van Vliet. But I'm personally not too sure about that. After all, most teams rely on some type of two-way wing to situate those last-second plays. A guy who can shoot over taller defenders. A guy who can create space as shifty and can dribble. I think that there's a lot of interesting players on this Toronto Raptors team. And like I said, it's hard to see a point guard leading in those late-game situations. Obviously, Dame and Steph are prime examples of guys that can do that, but I personally want to see OG Ananobi take the reins. He's going to be a big nucleus for this podcast in terms of content because there's so many interesting pieces to him. And if you watched him in the preseason, you would agree with me 100% that this guy looks interesting. He looks like baby Kawhi Leonard with the you know dribble through the legs, sidestep three, just the flow and fluidity to his game has improved especially as an on-ball guy with the ball in his hands. And I think we could see him take a huge leap, and I don't want to step on my toes too much. Um, But we've actually seen OG take some big shots in the past, right? We've seen him against Boston take some really big shots. And I think that in terms of offensive contribution, he's up for a pay raise, especially with Pascal out right now. There's going to be a lot of offensive opportunity for him to grow into that number one mold or number two mold or whatever it may be, but... Honestly, just getting him more shots is going to be a big piece of this um, upcoming Raptors offense. He's going to be the guy that I'm most interested to see. And I want to see him mold into that two-way wing who can win games for you. And I want to see Nick Nurse kind of bring him into that role as the number one guy this season. And I do want to see him surpass Fred Van Vliet and potentially make an all-star appearance. He had a Siakam-like jump last season where he went up to you know 16 17 points per game and was a good defender 
but there's room for him to jump like Pascal did, did again to, you know, a 24-point-per-game guy. There is that opportunity for him, especially if he gets more shots. Uh, I think that there can definitely be, in terms of last-second shots, where we're talking about half-court offense, I think there could definitely be uh, an alternative solution where you can alternate between different players, right? OG gets a shot. Scotty Barnes gets, you know, an opportunity. Van Vliet gets a shot. And you've got a lot of dynamic options in terms of players that can, you know, take a big shot with the ball in their hands, can be a go-to scorer. Even Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, I don't know, Pascal Siakam when he gets back. There's a lot of interesting players who can handle the ball and actually make a play at the end of a game. Even Precious somewhat can do that, especially in the low post or in that area. I think he's got a lot to his game in terms of the ball in his hands. We saw him running end-to-end. We see this fast offense that the Raptors are trying to run. And this is what made that 2020 Raptors team so good in the bubble. That and Kyle Lowry able to bail them out obviously is a big issue um, not having him. So I think that the half-court clutch issues and half-court offense is still going to struggle. But maybe that can be improved by their defense. And for the Raptors, their ability to guard at the point of attack and against big the biggest centers in the NBA were the biggest concern last season. And I think having Ken Birch for this full season with the team that he's playing should help with the latter, should help against those bigger centers. And similarly, I think Precious and him as a dynamic five at that spot is going to give them a lot of defensive pers- versatility in the pick and roll, which is going to help them at guarding that point of attack. Um, because before, it, when you had Aaron Baines out there, you had to drop the big, right? And that was a big piece of the puzzle in terms of point of attack. There was just a lot of opportunities for the other teams to score, and that's why the Raptors' defense struggled so much uh, when burned through the pick and roll a lot. And I think that running small ball is an option for them too without giving up too much on rebounding because of the size of a guy like Barnes being a key piece to sort of fit that together for the Raptors' opportunity to play small. He kind of brings that because he's a bigger guy who can maybe play the four or even the five in worst case. So for the Raptors last year, they were 27-45. and 45. This is where we're getting into a regular season prediction. And I guess uh, before I talk about this, we should say that the Raptors have improved defensively, right, as a team because, like I said, versatility, pick and roll, point of attack, all that stuff. And then offensively, I think in terms of half-court offense is going to be a little bit better, but I don't really know if it's going to be significantly better, especially in clutch situations. I think it's going to struggle, but I'll talk more about the flex offense a little bit later in this podcast, but I think that's another interesting thing to consider. Um, And in terms of regular season prediction, last year the Raptors were 27-45. That's a 37.5% winning percentage, which translates to 31 wins. Uh, this year. So I think the Raptors definitely can exceed that mark. Uh, my writer, Christopher, on my on RaptorsCommunity.com said 48. I'm not that optimistic, especially when you consider that the Lowry-led team uh, was, you know, only so many more wins than that. I feel like they sit somewhere near 40 and that they can probably lock in somewhere at the 8-10 to 10 range in the Eastern Conference. And I believe that inevitably they're play inbound, but I don't think there's a chance of us tanking. There is a chance of us tanking if we see a bad stretch or some injuries, you know, to key players. And the Raptors, maybe they start off poor and then they can just end up, you know, chalking the season and trying to get another high draft pick. But my guess is 40 and 42, just under 500. And there are nine seed. And my Eastern Conference predictions go like this Bucks, Nets, Heat, Hawks, Sixers, Bulls. Knicks, Celtics, Raptors, Pacers, and then Hornets and those others on the outside looking in. 
But I think, yeah, the Raptors sit somewhere around nine, and I think they get a play-in game, potentially two, or potentially two if they lose that first one, uh, if they do end up sitting, uh, or if they win that, that one, I should say, against the Pacers. That's sort of where I see them playing out. I don't really know if they're going to make the playoffs or not, but that's going to be an interesting dynamic this season is that playoff push towards the play-in tournament. That really adds a lot more opportunity for the Raptors to make it, especially if they're a little lower than eight. Now in the Western Conference, I'm going Jazz, Nuggets, Suns, Lakers, Warriors, Mavs, Blazers, Pelicans, and then Memphis and the Timberwolves at 9 and 10. I think the Jazz are going to be close to 60 wins. And yeah, I think the West is interesting, but I'm going to talk more about that later. All right, Section 2, Playoff Ceiling and Floor. So for Toronto, their floor, I think, is not making the playoffs. I could see them having some sort of injury-riddled season or even getting eliminated in the play-in tournament. And as for stealing, maybe they make the playoffs. I don't see a world in which they actually beat one of the top teams in the East. Maybe if they get a higher seed, they could win a round. But in my mind, I realistically think their ceiling this year would be a first-round exit. And, you know, that would be good playoff experience for the young guys and for this core. But on the other hand, you do want to maybe maximize these bad seasons, so to speak, by actually tanking and getting better draft capital. But that's really up to the team to decide as the season progresses. But I think you start off with a winning mentality and see where they go. That's sort of the range in which I see the Raptors being. And I don't think they're going to deviate much from that, uh, from like probably the sixth seed down to like 13 so there is a big range for them in terms of where they could end up i really don't see them ending up 13 12 but i see them more likely around that 10 to 9 range now individual players awards so mvp who will be the raptors mvp because of his injury pascal siakam is eliminated from this in my mind i think that the safe bet is Fred Van Vliet. He's going to be the lead point guard with Lowry gone, absorbing that responsibility, and he's going to get a lot of opportunity to be a playmaker at the point of attack as a point guard for them. And then the wild card is OG, who I think is going to be the MIP, their most improved player. We've seen him improve significantly as a scorer, off the dribble and catch and shoot. His numbers in preseason were godly high in terms of efficiency, but he didn't really take a high volume of shots. He was still around 12.5 shots per game. But I want to see him get up to 15 to 20 shots a game this season. And, you know, maybe his numbers come back down to earth as opposed to shooting over 50% from the field in three in preseason. But OG is still a very efficient guy if you look at his numbers last year. He's shooting close to 50% from the field, close to 40 from three. Defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with OG as well. He's got a track record of being one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA and there are a bunch of the guys on the Raptors who could take this award like Van Vliet, Trent Jr., Barnes, but I'm going to stick with OG. Uh, sixth man of the year, I'm going to go with Malachi Flynn, depending on the Trent Jr. situation, whether or not he starts. I think Malachi is going to be a consistent force off the bench running that second unit, and I'm really excited to see how he progresses this year. Obviously, last year, he looked really good in April, didn't get much run before that, but I think this year he's going to really step into a big role off the bench for Toronto, especially at that guard spot. Rookie of the year is Scotty Barnes. Uh, I think that's pretty pretty simple to go with there. And then coach of the year is going to be, I think his name's pronounced Trevor Gleason and Nick Nurse. And like I talked about, it's going to be changing the offensive approach to more of a flex style offense, which 
according to him, is dictated on playing unselfish basketball, finding the open man, and working as a team to find the best shot. So it's a really fluid offense that runs based on not having a superstar. And in the NBA, it hasn't really been done. But I think it's an interesting dynamic when you look at Toronto's roster to actually run a flex-style offense. Now we're in odds corner, so these odds are presented by DraftKings. This is unsponsored. 35.5 wins. Like I said, I'm going 40 and 42. So I'm hitting the over on that. Get that money. Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year. He has the fifth best odds at 12 to 1. So you bet 100 bucks, you make 1,200 bucks. Bet on our boy Scotty, okay? That's a good bet. OG for most improved player, 20 to 1. He's like eighth or something on this list. I would take OG for MIP as well. I think that's an interesting one. Fred Van Vliet plus 3,500 for most improved. That's not going to happen, but that's just an interesting deep one. And then OG, a sneaky defensive player of the year pick at plus 8,000, a.k.a. 80 to 1. That's an interesting one too, but I definitely wouldn't take him for defensive player of the year considering he's never made an all-defensive team. But this year's the year for him to make that all-defense and to be an all-star. So let's go, my guy, OG. All right, before we get into the NBA content, we're going to take a quick break. We're back for the second part of the pod, which is going to be NBA-related content for the rest of it. But if you're just a Raptors fan, you can head out now if you prefer. But we've got some interesting topics to cover. Um, I already talked about the East and Western Conference standings, but now we're going to talk about awards. And this year... It's definitely a lot of interesting narratives going on in terms of awards. And for MVP, I think the interesting one is going to be who you guys think is the front runner because there's a lot of options. You've obviously got Kevin Durant with the Brooklyn Nets. The question being, will he stay healthy for the entire season? Will they win enough games to be in that top two seed, which is generally required to win MVP? Do you think Nikola Jokic runs it back? In Denver, do you think LeBron and the Lakers are the one seed? In my mind, LeBron is not going to be in consideration this year because of how stacked the roster is from a regular season perspective. Russ and AD are going to put up big numbers, and as a result, it's going to probably take away from his case. And, yeah, I just don't see that really happening. I think the Jazz are going to be atop the Western Conference, and I don't think Donovan Mitchell is going to have the stats to necessarily make a strong enough push to win MVP. Steph Curry and the Warriors, I don't think they're going to end up being a high enough seed to make it for him to be MVP. He will probably be in consideration in the running. But I'm going with the Eastern Conference, and I'm going with Giannis Antetokounmpo to win his third MVP in four years. And a big part of the narrative behind this is the fact that they won the title last season. He proved that he's not just a regular season guy. He can bring it in the finals. He can bring it in the playoffs, and he can lead a team to a title. And as a result of that, I think it really pushes the narrative in his favor, similar to what happened to LeBron when he won his back-to-back MVPs, then won in the finals. And I think that just is going to propel him to say, hey, like obviously he's not going to win three in a row, especially with the way that they had flamed out against Miami in the bubble playoffs. But now that he has a ring under his belt, I think he's proven that, you know, he's an all-timer. The photo fatigue is going to be less against him. 
than it ever was. They're going to be probably the top seed in the Eastern Conference, and he's going to have ridiculous numbers. So lock me in for Giannis to win MVP. Let me know who you guys think is going to win MVP, along with all the other awards as we get through to them. The next one is Defensive Player of the Year, and this one's pretty boring because Rudy Gobert's won three in a row now, I believe. And I just don't really see anyone who makes like an outstanding case. Like there's not a guy who's going to be, you know, in your face, the defensive player of the year. I think it's going to be the traditional Giannis, Anthony Davis, um, obviously Rudy Gobert are going to all be in consideration. OG's a sleeper guy, but I don't think he's going to have the accolades for it. He doesn't have the all, he doesn't even have an all defensive team yet so a guy on the wing like him is probably not going to win it so i'm just going to run with anthony davis on this one because i want to see some parity i think the lakers will have a pretty good defense even though their defense is going to be worse than it was the last couple seasons because of how much older their team is obviously they lost like caruso replacing with westbrook which offensively gives you more options but defensively this team is probably going to be slightly worse than it was last year so that's the one argument against Anthony Davis. Whereas, you know, when you look at, uh, what's it called? When you look at, I don't know, the Utah Jazz, like they're going to have a good defense again this year. So, you know, you can make that argument for him. Sixth man of the year, I went Jordan Clarkson to win back-to-back. I was debating between him and Joe Ingles. But I just feel like Jordan Clarkson is the prototypical sixth man of the year candidate. He's a flamethrower off the bench. He's just going to come in, get buckets. You know, average like 18 a game, whatever it may be. And Utah's going to be a high seed. So I think that's an easy one. Coach of the year, I'm going Nate McMillan. I think that the Hawks are going to be in that top four in the Eastern Conference. And I think they're going to have a really good record. And because of that, Nate McMillan's going to get a lot of credit for the type of young team that he's able to propel to that level. And we obviously saw last year his impact on the team. But obviously, he was an interim coach that came in. So you can't really give coach of the year to a guy like that. So I think this year, it's his to win. When you consider that the Hawks are probably going to be a top four seed. uh, Assuming everything bodes well and everyone stays healthy on that team. Most improved player is interesting. There are a lot of candidates for this award. You know, you got like Michael Porter Jr. You got, you know, Shea Gilgis. You got all these young players who could maybe take a leap. Obviously, there's tons of guys, but I'm going with our boy, OG Ananobi, to win most improved player. And the reason why is because watching him in the preseason, you can tell this guy's taking a leap offensively. He's, I've already mentioned this in this podcast, but you see him taking like the sidestep three. You see him off the dribble looking like baby Kawhi out there. I love what I'm seeing from him, and I think he's going to take a big leap this season with the opportunity that's going to present itself with the Raptors not really having Siakam for the first month. And obviously, roster turnover has continuously occurred since they won the finals, and they don't really have any guys left from that team besides Siakam, OG, Fred Van Vliet, basically those three guys. Chris Boucher, I think, was on that team as well. But these are guys who are going to get more opportunity. And so for most improved, I think OG is going to go from you know a 16-point-per-game guy to potentially in that 22 to 23 point per game range. I want to see him take that leap. In the preseason, he looked good. He still wasn't super aggressive, and he wasn't their go-to guy, but I think he can develop into that this year 
And a lot of that's going to depend on what Nick Nurse sees in him as that guy because the Raptors do have a lot of interesting pieces for guys who could potentially take a leap. You know, Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent Jr., some of these younger guys. But I think OG Ananobi, this is his year to take a leap and potentially make a run for the All-Star game too. I would love to see him make that type of push this year and really take hold of the Most Improved Player Award. I think he deserves it. He's been putting in the work, and his game looks really good. I cannot wait to watch him play uh, this week coming up. And Rookie of the Year, no, I'm not going with Scotty Barnes. And the reason why is because opportunity is not going to present itself for him to get a ton of shots and a ton of opportunity on this team because the Raptors already have a lot of good players. So I'm going with Cade Cunningham. The opportunity is going to be overwhelming for him. Jalen Green is another guy who I think could definitely win Rookie of the Year. He's going to have a lot of insane highlights. But I think Cade's just going to consistently put up good numbers. And I think he's going to have a really good um, case overall when you see what he does this year with Detroit. Moving on to part six, conference finals predictions. So I'm just going to name a few teams I think are going to make the conference finals in the East and the Western Conference. So in the East, I've really only got three teams that are conference final bound, potentially. That's the Bucks, the Nets, and the Heat. Those are the three teams I think have the best case to make the conference finals. Bucks, they've got the MVP, one of the best players in the world. The Nets, they've got obviously Kevin Durant, James Harden, and you know we'll see what happens with Kyrie, but I still think without him, they're an interesting, interesting team, obviously. And then Miami's an interesting team that during the regular season, they're not going to have the best record by any means. But I don't know. I think that they're going to be interesting when you add Kyle Lowry to the mix, another veteran. You see the rise of Tyler Hero this year. I think he's going to be better than years past. Jimmy Butler is going to be locked in in the playoffs. So they've got an interesting roster when you consider the playoff squad that they could be running out there. When you look at Bam, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, and then these periphery guys like your Tyler Heroes, uh, like I said, some of these other guys. I think they've got an interesting roster, and they're poised to make a run, especially with the addition of Kyle Lowry. I think he really adds a lot of value. I saw a quote recently that said um, an anonymous GM, or sorry, it was an anonymous scout, said that, uh, he wasn't a fan of the Kyle Lowry edition. Basically just said, is that a big, that big of an upgrade over Goran Dragic? And I think it really is. You've got the poise, you've got the defense, and he's going to give you as much scoring as Dragic did. Obviously he had a great year last uh, when they made the run to, in the bubble, but I think that Kyle Lowry is going to really bring a lot to the table for them from that perspective. The West is a little bit more interesting because there are a lot of teams that could potentially make a run, you know, a Mavericks, some of these other teams on the periphery that you're looking at, and you're like, hmm, they're kind of interesting. Uh, the Clippers, if Kawhi comes back healthy, it's like, that's an interesting team. See what they can do. However, for my conference finals, I got four teams I think can make it, and that's the Jazz, the Suns, the Lakers, and the Nuggets. And I think the Jazz are interesting because this year there's a lot riding on the playoffs for them. They've obviously been a really good regular season team for multiple years now. But for them, it's conference finals or bust. I think they've got to make it there. They've got to you know, avoid the Lakers or whoever you want it to be. But at the end of the day, they've got to get to the conference finals this year because Quinn Schneider and this roster have run it back now multiple years. And it always seems to be the same story in the playoffs 
where they just choke it or aren't good enough to compete at the highest level. I think they lost to Houston twice in a row. And then um, who else did they lose to? Obviously, last year they lost um, to the Clippers without Kawhi. So they've had some disappointing uh, postseasons, to say the least. So for them, making the conference finals is super important. And I think they can do it when you look at their roster, bringing back the same team. Donovan Mitchell is obviously a stud, too. He's going to try and carry them there. The Suns, of course, they made the finals this year. I think they're they're potentially conference finals bound. They're running back the same roster. I actually really like that team. And I think, once again, they're the one team that I'm looking at in the West, and I actually see a lot of continuity, and I have a lot of confidence in that team from what I saw last year, that they could make the conference finals, and it's a team that they definitely don't want to see prior to that. The Lakers, obviously, they've got the highest ceiling with the talent that they bring to the table. And then the Denver Nuggets as well. I think that when Jamal Murray returns, you know, early next year, meaning like early 2022, I think that when they put that roster together with Michael Porter Jr. poised to take a leap as well, that team is going to be super fun to watch with Nikola Jokic there at the forefront. And I think they are a team to watch as well because you've got a guy that is essentially the best center in the NBA. And when you have that MVP-type player there, I don't think you can ever count them out. Next, finals prediction. So what two teams are going to make the NBA finals? I'm going with the Bucks in the Eastern Conference. And the reasons why are I don't think the Heat are as good as the Bucks, even with the addition of Kyle Lowry. I do think that they definitely lack a lot of... Um, I don't know what exactly they lack, but I'd say it's like superstar power. You know... The Bucks have Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. I think Jimmy, Bam, Kyle Lowry is interesting, but I don't think they're as good as that trio. So I'd take the Bucks, And then the Nets, you know, with the Kyrie situation, are sort of a wild card in this one. I don't really know what's going to happen with this team. Obviously, they have those older superstars. I say older, probably early 30s. Uh, but, you know, we've seen injuries occur for a lot of these players. We saw Harden get injured. We saw Kyrie get injured last year in the playoffs so I just don't know if I trust them that much but the Bucks, I, I trust Giannis now I've seen him do it I think they can definitely run it back and make the NBA finals and in the West I was really debating between the Jazz the Suns the Lakers and the Nuggets I ended up going Lakers and I always I've picked them every year to go to the finals um, obviously they won the one year uh, in 2020 but then they lose in the first round in 2021 so you know, I'm, I can't really read this team. I don't really trust them either. But I'm trying to think of who else I think would make it. And I didn't want to pick Suns Bucks to run it back in the finals, even though the Suns are probably my second favorite. And then the Jazz and Nuggets, I just don't know if I trust either of them fully. I think the Nuggets, this may be their year to potentially make a push to the NBA Finals. I'm really interested to see how that team plays out when you look at Michael Porter Jr., like I've said he will take a leap this year, and I think that's going to be the big difference once Jamal Murray's back and healthy. But my final prediction is the Bucks to win the title and for Giannis to repeat as finals MVP. And I think that's a good way to end this podcast. And let me know if you guys agree or disagree with my choices here for the NBA champion, the conference finals, you know, anything related to the Raptors, whatever you heard on this podcast. I want to hear your opinions Make sure to rate it five stars if you made it this far. Thank you so much for listening. We've got some awesome guests coming later on 
next week's for next week's podcast so stay tuned for that once again thanks for listening and i'll catch you on the next episode peace out everybody